Today on the show, I'm happy to have Bernard LaBelle. He's a CEO of the GreenLink. They're an AI-enhanced sustainability as a service platform. So Bernard, what was the aha moment that transformed your career? So that would be, uh, Chair, that would be you know, right around April 2019 on a Sunday launch. And let me get some perspective in that. At the time, I was the National Innovation Director for Deloitte in Canada, and my team was tasked with looking at all the upcoming breakthrough technologies that were just over the horizon. So now they're mainstream. So AI, genomics, um, neuroscience, IoT, blockchain. We were looking at how they could really disrupt the fabric of society and companies. And while doing those research, it happened that we also found out amazing technology that could help improve our climate trajectory. I'm talking about alternative renewable energy. We were looking at the time at Car direct carbon capture, so extracting CO2 from the atmosphere. We were looking at uh, plastics mixed from seaweed. And I was sharing these stories uh, every night at home with my wife and four sons. And on Sunday lunch, I remember that really precisely because our third son, Oscar, told about the massive fifth extinctions of species that was just part of the news and said, Our world is really not going in the right way. I said, We have solutions. And they said, if you have solutions, we know solutions. Why are they not scale? And what do you intend to do about it as parents? And therefore, that was really the moment where my wife and I said, okay, we need to find some way to use the knowledge that exists, bring it to the people in charge of sustainability so that they can help perform an internal business transformation. That's where we said, okay, I'm going to leave that, uh, that consulting strategy and management consulting world I've been in for the last 20 years, I'm recovering strategy and management consultants. And we decided to make sure that we could build a portal that could help a company that wants to improve its environmental footprint to design its goal and look for clever ways to achieving by using our AI curated knowledge bases of best practices, clean technology and alternative material, because that way they'll won't spend time reinventing the wheel and we'll get there faster. Today we have six years, three months and 10 days left. So I'd rather have them, you look at existing things in the sense whether it makes sense for them than just spending two, three, four days in a white room trying to think about a clever way. So is this the faster way to make impact with GreenLink? It is the fastest way in the sense that usually what sustainability leaders are facing once they've come over the hurdles of you know, making sure C-suites understand that sustainability is the only business strategy here, the one big caveat, the one big roadblock is how do you make other functions in the company, other VPs of other departments embark on that project? And because you need to do that as a sustainability team, there is so much you can do on your own. You actually need everyone to rethink the way you operate in order to create changes that will translate into a different environmental footprint. And the best way to do that is not wasting time trying to come up with something if it already exists halfway around the world. It's just that you're not aware of it. So because we use this knowledge and we bring it to the companies, then they can start looking at, oh, well, this might actually work in my particular context. And therefore you compress space and time between the moment you set up the goal with the moment you've got a physical impact because you've just implemented something that has been proven time and again to work. So in finding things that work time and again, are you also coming in with uh, newer renewable solutions? So there's lots of ways that we're looking at different things and we don't just cover energy. When we look at the environmental footprint, we cover air, energy, water, 
resources and land. So we're looking at clever ways to do all of that. Specifically for energy, obviously we've seen a lot of different trends of reusing waste to make new energy. Obviously the newer solar panels, the latest one we've seen are some of them, which I do believe is a solar leaf and use the regular fabric of nature to transport the, to capture the energy and make it into like rather than using perovskite or your other silicium-based buffers. So there's always clever things. But the funny thing is when you talk about energy, you can talk about how do you use that energy. And for example, you don't need something which is really high tech to perform the same thing as an energy intensive uh, consuming machine. And let's talk about AC air conditioning. You have AC and obviously you need to power it question is, do you have renewable energy to power it? Do you also use nuclear-based or oil or gas or wind? But you all could achieve the same method of reducing the temperature with just using wind and water. If you rethink the architecture of where you are. So not all solutions need to be deep tech, but it's the combination of all those existing solutions that allows you to move the needle on your energy consumption on your environmental footprints, on the way you actually do business. So we look at everything and definitely, Chad, energy is definitely one of them because that's what powers the world. What are you most excited about in your industry right now? Regulation. It may sound really uh, cheesy, but I know the European Union has just released its CSRD, so Corporate Social Responsibility Directive. And it's mandatory for any company operating in Europe with over 500 people in early January 2025 to explain what they've done in 2024 and not just your carbon disclosure. So they're going to ask you carbon, water, energy, biodiversity. What was the impact on biodiversity on land and in the water of your actual operation? And that's the easy part of it. And there's a thousand metrics they'll need to report on. But what's more interesting is the way that they phrase the second part of the report, which is, and now explain us what is your climate transition plan? Where do you want to go? How far will it take you to get to net zero or the equivalent of? But more specifically, how do you intend to achieve this? And company will not be able just to put two lines in a corporate report, say, oh, we're going to do some innovation and where we're but No, explain to us exactly how is it that you're thinking of tackling your environmental footprint and the way to reuse it. So this is really exciting because what has currently been seen as something nice to have, even though from a growth perspective, if you want to grow your company's top line, if you want to keep your talent, you'd better be able to show true sustainability results and true sustainability strategies. But now, basically the license to operate will be subjected to your capacity to prove you're not greenwashing, there is no green hushing, it is embedded as part of your strategy. And obviously I'm really excited about that because sadly it's still something where the mistake is always a, an efficient mean to get people to change. The good thing is we know that even though those requirements are made and European Union has made a tremendous work on that, it's not unachievable. What's fascinating is even though there's a pushback by very large in, you know, major international companies, you have a movement in Europe from, I would say, medium to small companies that say, don't edulcorate the regulation. It's perfect. It's what we need. We need this framework. We need this pressure and do not drop any single metrics because we believe as business owners, 
as C-suite leaders that it can be done. Well, it's really interesting because when you come to think of it, the big, large companies don't exist by themselves. They exist because they've got an ecosystem of suppliers and partners. So at the very top, they say, oh, we can make it. You need to make it more easy for us. You need to be, at the same time, there are tier one and tier two suppliers that, no, let's get on with it because we know we will, we need to do that. Otherwise, seeing the current climate trajectory, being just in business is going to be tough because of insurances, extreme weather event, supply chain disruption, and all that is our risks. I'm really excited about the fact that regulation is coming stronger. I do believe that the SEC is working on something similar, uh, maybe not as yet as tough and enforced, but definitely looking into the right direction where considering the last two summers, people now understand that okay, we, let's not kid about it. We need to do more of it. Have you seen direct impact on your business from this regulation coming out? Yeah, we've got a, a significant uptick in conversation we're having and, and people are, are looking at, and I was actually, uh, we helped launch a think tank in the UK in sustainability, so dedicated to sustainability players. And among the 15 people that were at the dinner, and it's under Chatham House rules, so I can't tell you who was it and what we said, uh, but what I can tell you as a key takeaway is they were already excited and scared about the level of mandatory regulatory disclosure they had to face. But CSRD is like 10,000 times more complex. At the same time, they saw it as an opportunity to say, I'm going to finally have the right wedge to put that in the C-suite's agenda. They can't ignore it anymore. And it's that this kind of change turning point where people that were in the role start between a rock and a hard place because your know, company makes pledges and then the small tasks with it, you're changing everything, which they're not. I would say capable of due to resources allocation or like now have a way to engage finance, risk, and C-suite and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you have to listen to me. We have to make it sure that we can actually say we've embedded sustainability in every single department and function of our organization. So now's the time to you know, get up. So this is really interesting because the uptake is positive and that leads to more and more conversation. We even had a conversation end of August, really interesting. We had a 15 people strong company in France that reached out to us and say, Hey, here's what we do. We create styrofoam based uh, packaging for in-flight meals. And now we've been tasked to find another way to create that without using fossil fuel. And there's just a 15 people strong company. And the reason is that they're tier two of major airlines. So now the pressure is coming down really rapidly to smaller and smaller companies. And the great thing I see about it is our portal, what we build, because it's as a service, i.e. we're using a lot of AI, we're using a lot of digital technologies to bring knowledge and empower organization to be autonomous on that journey is something that is affordable because if we expect them to pay a, a McKinsey, a BCG or the Lloyd's hourly rates to help them, that's never going to happen. So I see great, interesting opportunities in that space because of the, both the regulation and the fact that it is now being pushed out throughout the value chains and there's willingness to change. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you to learn more about how to start making impact in their business, how could they do so? The first thing is to go and have a look at uh, uh, the website, www.thegridlink.co. 
and that you'll get some information or reach out to me through LinkedIn or directly on our contact at thegreenlink.co and we'll get back to you. But wait, definitely it's important that everybody understand that it's doable. We today have amazing technology around the world that are fully capable of solving your issues. And we'll do our very best through our AI sensing engine to identify those and feed them in so that you can make the right choices. But if you still think that you can't do it, you know, drop that. It's, it's a scarcity mindset. The future is bright if we choose to make it. That's a very positive message, Bernard. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.